Welcome to DSW Yoga Podcast. My name is Debbie Simon. This podcast is dedicated to finding unique yoga voices in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas and surrounding areas. My guest today is Suzanne Hutchinson. Suzanne is a former Dallas yoga teacher who moved to Seattle just over three years ago as part of her journey into minimalism and simple living. She is an ERYT 500 and has been teaching yoga since 2010. She is the owner of the Yoga Tree in Seattle, Washington. Suzanne is committed to helping all bodies realize the joy of yoga and that anyone and everyone can experience its physical and mental benefits. Suzanne is a student of yoga first and foremost, studying with amazing teachers from all over the world. She encourages her students to approach their practice with playfulness and an open, curious mind. In addition to Hatha Yoga, Suzanne teaches the mindful practices of Yen, restorative yoga, and I rest yoga nidra. When not teaching, Suzanne and her husband Jeff spend as much time as possible outside enjoying the Pacific, beautiful Pacific Northwest. And who can blame you for doing that? It is gorgeous <laughs> out there, beautiful out there. So you're very lucky to have that weather. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. One of the first things I always like to ask people who come on the podcast is to tell us your yoga story. How did yoga find you? Yeah. Well, (laughs) when I was a little girl, there was this show on PBS called Lilius Yoga and You. And and I was really little, like toddler perhaps. And um, I was mesmerized by Lilius. She had this amazing long braid that she would wear down her back and um she wore these, you know, 70s era leotards. And I was fascinated and I used to do the show along with her. I would practice along with her in my living room. Um and I loved it. I just loved it. Um but many, many years later, um I started having I'd say um this was about fifteen years ago, I started having these panic attacks um that were quite debilitating and I just decided to try yoga. Um, nobody told me to. It was just something that popped into my head that it might be a good thing and it was. I was hooked immediately. Um, I felt like I felt like I found home mm-hmm. and then you know later once I finally began teaching I felt like I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be mm-hmm. doing. What what was your inspiration to go from being a yoga student who found yoga helped with anxiety to wanting to take that next step and teach yoga? Yeah, and, and I didn't think about teaching for quite a few years. Um, I, it was something that I loved so much that eventually I realized that I wanted to share it with everybody. And once I figured out that everyone truly can do it because I think for a long time I bought into the belief that it was only for, you know, young, skinny white girls, you know. <laughs> Once my eyes were open and I realized, no, no, this is this is for everybody and there is a way that every single person can do this one way or another. Um, it's that adaptable for each person and each body. Um, I wanted to make that my mission to reach as many people, as many different people, as many different bodies as I could, and let it be okay. Know that, yes, 
you can do this too. Even if you think you're not flexible or even if you think you're overweight or you think you're too old or too injured or whatever it is, I wanted everybody to have that same opportunity and same experience. That's what drives me. Yeah, that uh, hopefully that message is starting to get out that yoga is for everybody. It truly is for everybody. And I think once we start realizing how helpful yoga can be for some of these things like uh, anxiety and depression and some of the other elements and things that people have, more we realize that yoga can help with that. Hopefully that will open the doors um, for even more people to experience yoga. Um, Absolutely. I think in a lot of ways, yoga is the ultimate minimalist sort of exercise, quote-unquote, a routine or, or lifestyle because you really don't need anything to practice yoga. And one of the, the things that I have admired about you so much that I kind of watched your journey from afar is that you seem to have kind of stripped away some things and become what I call and what I have come to call the term a minimalist. And I don't know if you consider yourself that at all. But what is what is minimalism or simple living in your in your mind? Yeah. So um to me minimalism it's the practice of getting down to what I call the bare essentials in every area of your life. And of course that will be different for each person, but it's about living more simply and harmoniously, um, doing what you love, living how you love, the way you want to love, um, without without the things that are unnecessary, without the redundant, without extraneous objects and commitments. I mean, all the things that can weigh you down. It's stripping away all of that. It's getting down to the heart of um, mm-hmm. what makes you you, you know, what makes your heart sing. So you have done some specific things. So you used to teach yoga at the same studio where I teach yoga in Louisville, Texas, mm-hmm. Blue on mm-hmm. you, and you made some decisions. One of the things you did was to move to Seattle. But there, I think, were maybe some other things that, that you did. Can you tell us a little bit about your minimalism story? Yeah. So it actually started, um, it's something that evolved out of my yoga practice. Because as I was practicing, I um, there was this stripping away of all these layers of what I call artifice that I had put on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, I was slowly revealing my true nature and getting back to basically who I've always been at my core, but I had hidden for a while. Um, and at the same time that that was happening within me, there was also this natural, this desire, this longing to begin to strip away all the physical things around me. Um, and, and not just physical objects, but also letting go of many activities and responsibilities that I had attached my, my identity to. Um, I just, I had this longing in my heart to simplify, simplify, simplify. And that transferred into all areas of my life. It's fascinating. And we started, um, you know, with the very physical things, just clearing out clutter. And, and, you know, we did that a couple of times. And then eventually we sold the 3,300-square-foot house and downsized, you know, to a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment. And we did that a few times, each time going a little bit smaller. Um, 
you know, currently we're in 735 square feet, and we love it. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and we've been car-free. We've been without cars for over three years. Um, we walk. We ride the bus. But most importantly, we're very, very intentional about how we spend our time and intentional about what we say yes to. So, I mean, it's definitely been an ongoing process, and I would say it's still ongoing, um, but it's, it's been a fascinating journey. Nice. You, said, <laughs> you said we when you were talking about that, so I'm assuming that's you and your husband. Yeah. Okay. okay. Did he, did, were you guys all on the same page the whole time? Was he sort of like, oh, what are you getting us into now, Suzanne? <laughs> or <laughs> like what my husband does? Or or were you, did you kind of grow into the, into this together? It was, you know, definitely a, a growing into it together kind of thing. It, it's it's remarkable how it was happening in both of us at the same time, but manifesting itself in different ways. We were getting there in two different ways. For me, it happens through my yoga process. For him, it happens through um, changing jobs a couple of different times and, and trying to figure out that way um, what exactly he wanted to do and, um, you know, getting to his essential nature. And, and there were plenty of stumbling blocks along the way for both of us. Um, and, you know, certainly times where, um, you know, that, that were hard. I mean, we went through some... Um, painful times together, but ultimately we were both moving towards the same, I don't want to say goal because it's not really a goal, um, definitely on the same page, but both taking crazy windy paths mm. to get there, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned a couple times, and I also said that I felt like yoga was sort of the ultimate minimalist sort of philosophy. Um, and you mentioned that a lot of your changes to this lifestyle came from your yoga practice. What do you think that yoga and minimalism have in common? I think just as yoga is um, the journey to the self, right, the process of revealing your true nature, you through your practice you start to peel away the mental clutter, um, the self-imposed ideas and beliefs, that you hold to be true about yourself. Just as you're doing that through your yoga practice, living a minimalist lifestyle is much the same. You start with stripping away the physical clutter and the things that you no longer need, but it also um, transfers into the busyness of too many activities or too many commitments. And ultimately, you um, fully embrace what brings you joy. So, both yoga and minimalism are about being in harmony with what I call your authentic nature, your true self, self with the, the capital S, right? The core, the core of who you are. In my quest to try and become more minimalist, definitely something that I'm working on as well. Um, I find for me one of the greatest benefits is just, like you said, less less clutter, less stuff filled in my mind, less, you know, on a physical level, just less stuff to clean, less stuff to take care of. Um, and then there's also a lot of mental and emotional and spiritual benefits as well. For you, what have you found has been a couple of maybe the biggest benefits that you've noticed in your life since you started making these changes? 
I would say um, some of it's really obvious, such as, you know, time that was once spent on housework or yard work. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I now spend that time hiking. I mean, now, now it takes me 10 minutes at most to clean my apartment where, um, you know, when we were in the house, um, you know, it would take me two days. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally two days to clean. That's ridiculous. Um, so it gained more time being able to invest in that in things that we really, really enjoy doing. Um, but one of the really nice things is now it, it's so easy to pack up and go if, if we want to travel somewhere. There, there aren't as many little details to take care of um, in terms of what would be, you know, what's being left behind in our physical dwelling. Um, and even when we move, say we want to change apartments or move to a different area of the city or if we want to move overseas, it's so much easier to move when you have actual fewer physical items to pick up and go. Um, or things that, you know, furniture that's there just because it's serving a purpose right now, that it's not anything that we feel like that we have to hang on to. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to worry about all of the physical items. So that that's definitely been a huge plus. Um, I feel also just because we are um, choosing to be car-free and do a lot more walking. I mean, there are physical health benefits to that, but I also mm -hmm. feel like we're doing our little part for the planet. Um, you know, that that's our contribution to reducing our carbon footprint, if you will, and um, certainly helping with the crazy congestion that is Seattle traffic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. I'm happy that we're not contributing to that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> But um, I would just, I would also say, I, I feel like we're more focused, and when we're presented with um, volunteer opportunities, whether it be in the community or at church or what have you, we're able to discern um, more fully what we truly want to spend our time doing, and that that in turn makes it easier easier for us to say yes when it's appropriate to say yes and to say no when you know it's something that isn't quite the right fit for us i feel like we have more clarity about how we want to choose our time and um it makes us much much more intentional so i can imagine that in a, an apartment that's just over 700 square feet you have to be very intentional about what you bring into your life and into your yes. apartment and into your space do you guys have a process, a decision-making process on how you decide, you know, not only where are you going to bring into your space, but how you use your time? It's been really interesting because um, we both work from home, essentially. Um, so when I'm not at, physically at the yoga studio, I'm working from home doing things for the yoga studio. So we've transformed our living space into also our home office, <laughs> which wasn't our original plan. Um, so it, we've had to make a few adjustments, but we've, um, we've kind of made that a fun journey in and of itself. We went and picked out, this is going to sound so corny, we went and picked out matching desks, and <laughs> we put them, um, they're not side to side, but they face each other. So, um, you know, when we're here working on our computers, we can look up and, hey, honey, how are you? <laughs> it's the goofiest thing in the world, but it's it's working for us. 
Um, and then at the same time, it, it becomes our dining room table. We can clear everything off and, um, you know, have a nice meal here at our makeshift dining room table if we choose to. Um, you know, it, it, it's just it's been an interesting process. So I, I would say that everything that we choose to bring into the space, it, it has to be um, functional, but also it, it has to um, meet our minimal standard of aesthetics, if that makes sense. Because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, we want things to, you know, we don't want things to look junky. Um, we want it to be pleasing to the eye since it basically is one room that we're living in other than the bedroom, which mm-hmm. is separate, of course. But, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of trial and error. Um, and, you know, we, we've made some mistakes. And then like, yeah, this isn't quite working, so let's take this to the curb, recycle it, donate it to someone else, and Mm -hmm. take our time finding what works right for us. One thing that I've noticed as I've tried to move in this direction as well is that as I've sold things or I mostly give things away, sometimes it causes a risk (laughs) in the family or the, the relationships because when people are on different pages about things, sometimes there's conflict. Have you had any of that in your family? Have our friends thought that you guys were kind of crazy and what are you doing? And, um, uh, you know, wonder if, if you guys are you know, just going to be living in a commune here pretty, pretty soon. So how, how has that reaction been with friends and family? Yes to all of that. <laughs> so when we, <laughs> before we moved out of the house, we had a huge estate sale. And there were neighbors who came by and would ask questions like, are you guys okay? Is everything okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I think there were people who were thinking that, um, oh, they, they're ruined financially, so they're having to sell everything off. And no, no, we're just, you know, choosing a different path right now. And we're happy. It's really good. This is a good thing. And then, yeah, so, so there's been that. Um, and the, um, you know, the people who don't understand why we're choosing to live in an apartment, why would we want to live in a crowded city? Um, you know, in an apartment, why, why do we not want to have a yard? Um, and then, you know, trying to explain to family why why great great grandma's armoire doesn't fit into what we're doing right now. <laughs> and would you please take it back because we don't want it? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It's, it's really challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes there's the perception that. Um, that we're that things don't matter to us, that that we have no mm-hmm. um sentiment, you know, and, and that's clearly not the case. I mean we, we keep the things that we that we love. Um we're just more intentional about what we love. Um it's it's yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. Um I'm carting around great great grandma's China. Um <laughs> but you know I, I I can't get rid of that, and I, I do actually love it, but it's, you know, tucked away in the back of the cabinet, and, um, you know, it gets used now and then, but, yeah, it's it's definitely been met with many challenges. I think this lifestyle is a little bit easier um, to live here in this city. I think more people get it here. Um, it was definitely a challenge when we were make, starting to make these steps and we were still living in Flower Mound. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, and I know more and more people 
um, as their kids go off to college or whatever, more and more people are beginning to downsize and make these same kinds of choices. But I think when we first started, I think we were pretty much the exception. So, yeah, a lot of strange looks. (laughs) Yes, because you're definitely, you know, going against the grain, although I do feel like uh, more and more people are starting to realize some of the folly of all the stuff that we have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that motivated me was I saw this huge cabinet full of pictures, and I thought, what am I going to do with all these things? And no one's going to do anything with them except for me. I have to deal with this. And um, also the prospect of having to my kids come in and see all the stuff, and they don't want our stuff. (laughs) So I don't want to put that burden on them, and I don't necessarily want my parents' stuff. My grandmother had a bunch of silver and just, you know, all this stuff. And I thought, what, you know, I'm not, what am I going to do with all this? It's, it has to be dealt with in some way. And I think people maybe hopefully are waking up to the fact that we are kind of drowning in stuff. And so we put it into a storage unit and it just never really, it never goes away. It just compounds. There are people who want to embrace this lifestyle, but for whatever reason, can't either muster up the, strength to go through all the pictures or all the stuff or maybe you know there's also some fear around letting go of things like you said sometimes it's yeah. people think you don't have any sentimentality um, and that you don't have a heart around the memories how do you what what steps would you give for someone who kind of wants to stick their toe into some minimalist um, living but might have a little bit of trepidation around that yeah um, I definitely starting small baby steps. It could be as simple as taking a look at the number of magazine subscriptions that you have mm-hmm. and cutting those down to one or maybe, you know, altogether getting rid of them. Um, or looking at the amount of glassware in your cupboard. I, I was people used to call me the queen of the queen of glassware because I had Mm -hmm. imaginable type of glass for every imaginable type of drink you could think of. It was quite ridiculous. Um, And and one day I realized that and realized how ridiculous it was. And um, I started with that. And, you know, now I've just got the basic, the water glasses, some juice glasses, and some wine glasses. That's it. You know, know, just just picking one or two things, starting there, um, and and then from there, it, it just naturally grows. Um, you'll find more and more areas where, wow, okay, so, so I don't really need as many of these yoga books as I thought I did. Or, you know, <laughs> um, you know bit by bit. And I wouldn't even say you have to do it room by room. I would say like, pick one idea or one object and let it grow from there. Mm-hmm. But the pictures, oh my gosh, the pictures, that's the thing that I'm still trying to, to tackle as well. It's hard. It is. It is yeah. hard. Yeah. Now, luckily, with uh, all this, we got a digital scanner. That's one of those really quick ones where you just can scan, you know, a picture a second. It's really fast. Um, oh, good. Which is really helpful. So, But I think <laughs> really technology is starting to catch up with the need to want to sort of minimize minimize things so that's that's very helpful um 
Yeah, I, I, I was really inspired to talk to you about this. I um, think that it's, it's such a healthy way to live. It lightens the load so much. And when our when we're not sort of weighed down by things, just like you said, there's so much more freedom. There's freedom of time and um, finances is a, is a big thing where when you're not buying so many things, you're it's amazing yeah. your your bank account you know starts to starts to grow. So I'm sure that has been a benefit for you guys as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would add to that that you know one of the things that we've made a point to do is um, when there is something that we need to buy, we will often go to the various thrift shops first. And a lot of that isn't even so much about the cost, but it's also about this idea of wanting to use what's already out there rather than contributing to the mass um, production of all these goods that um, we're, we're a society that is just constantly producing more and more and more stuff and where does all that stuff end up so I think if more of us recycled what's already out there it might start to cut down on that mass production or at least that's my hope mm-hmm. that we're contributing um, to lessening that somewhat right I mean the whole fast fashion industry is, is, is pretty depressing actually when you see where all of these clothes end up in heaps and heaps and heaps um, in these developing countries, and yeah. I mean, so much they can't wear uh, all of that, and it just ends up. I guess that they emits a lot of gas as well, so it doesn't help with our um, right. global warming. So it's just kind of a, it's it's just a big mess, and I think a lot of consumption is is very much a heart issue. Um, maybe filling some empty voids with buying things um, that we might be better served to sort of look at those spaces and see how we can fill it with things that are real and things that last. That's my own take on it. So, um, yeah, I just thank you so much for um, sitting for the podcast and just a few minutes of your time and talking about this topic, which I think is, is really important to talk about things like how we can make our life a lot more simple. So I really appreciate your time, Suzanne. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been my pleasure. If if we are ever in the if we're ever in the Seattle area, which you know somebody might be, I might make a trip up to Seattle one day. How can we find you? Oh my goodness, I would love it (laughs) for everybody. I I miss all my friends in Dallas so much. Um, So so yes, everyone, please come. (laughs) So you can find me at the Yoga Tree. Um, here in Seattle, we're in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle, and um, our doors are always open. And if I'm not there, that means I'm somewhere in the city walking around enjoying things. So, um, yeah, come find me. <laughs> Great. Thank you again so much for your time, Susan. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, for thanks everyone. Me. Oh, you're welcome. I was glad to talk to you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll see you next time on the mat. Namaste. Namaste.